Hello, my name is Nick Spasic, and you're listening to From and Inspired by, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we talk with composer and musician Chase Horseman about their work scoring films for Gigi Sal Guerrero and more. to apologize for the delay on this episode as we went to record the trusty natty six channel mixer we've been using for the last decade died a quick and horrible death this necessitated a trip to downtown lawrence to track down a new mic input for the computer big thanks to lawrence's guitarma for having the Focusrite scarlet 2i2 in stock and affordable and letting us get right back on our feet we're still figuring it out so apologies for any audio weirdness in this episode that said chase the horseman is a band, film composer, multi-instrumentalist, audio engineer, and producer. Chase Horseman also grew up in Lansing, Kansas, and attended the same high school as I did. Chase currently makes music both as a composer and as Chase the Horseman, and it's all intricate and beautiful. We talk about growing up in Lansing, making music, working with director Gigi Saul Guerrero, and scoring not one but two installments of Hulu's Into the Dark series. Check it out. Thank you so much for taking time out of your afternoon to talk about your your music, Chase. I do appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, how did you like? We were talking off mic a, a little bit about like how you you know you've been playing in bands and stuff since you were sixteen, but like how did you get into composing? Because I mean, like I know you've been doing it for like a decade now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'm twenty nine. Uh, yeah, I mean, a little weirdly over because. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I grew up in Lansing and these, these kids happened to move in like right behind the house that I was living in. And, um, uh, there was twins that just like apparently made movies. And I, you know, and like, I kind of, we didn't really know each other, um, all that well, like right away, but we became to be friends like over time. And, um, they actually, uh, they did the movie, uh, the house on Pine street Oh, okay. out here. Um, and independence and um yeah we we started off because we went to the same high school we did a, a movie called pop spoon i think i was like it was like it was like summer between junior and senior year and that was like our first thing and then we just made a flurry of stuff and uh i went off to composition school at k-state um and uh they went to usc for film um where and they're still out in la now um and we made a bunch of shorts throughout all that. And through that, you know, um, some people, you know, kind of got wind of it online. We, 
it was spooky, weird, like David Lynch stuff. So it was just like, but it was, it was this kind of, um, it just stood out a lot, I think. And, um, they would really let me play around. And I was just the studio rat by nature. For some reason, I just like to like shut myself in my bedroom and just like make music on a, on an eight track. And, um, yeah, I just started throwing stuff at it and, and it just was like, it worked. They loved it. And then, um, you know, I, uh, yeah, I kind of fell into it, I guess. I just, I just really liked making music and I just wanted to like, you know, bands were stressful. Um, and, um, and so I, when I quit that, I like, I just wanted to make music a lot. So like the excuse of like, well, we need 10 minutes of something. Can you just make that happen? I'm like, sure. You know, why not? And, uh, that's how I spent some, you know, long summer nights instead of like doing like fun stuff. <laughs> I mean, other, you know, quote unquote fun stuff. Um, so yeah, that's a long answer. <laughs> well, like you, you have done a lot of work with Gigi Saul Guerrero, like up to, yeah. and, and including, uh, her, her most recent feature, um, culture shock for, uh, Hulu's into the dark, which by the way, I think makes this, God, I don't know how many episodes we've done talking into the dark. Like we've talked with all kinds of people at this point. Mm-hmm. Like it just it just keeps popping up. But like, how'd you how'd you come to work with her? Like because I mean, she is she is a force. Yeah, man. Um, it, it's so funny. Um, so you know, I like I always tell people about this. Like if I ever like it's like people ask me for advice or like how to like get into stuff because I just you know I went out. And, and represented some of the work that I had done with uh, Aaron and Austin Keeling. And um, we actually went out with like some music videos and stuff to this festival called Nifty. It's like N-F-F-T-Y. It's the National Film Festival. Talented youth. Um, up in Seattle. And, you know, she's Vancouver-based. So she comes down to the same festival that we're at. We have no idea who each other are because we're not really anything. And um, uh, we met in line. <laughs> That's it. We hadn't seen each other's work at all, but we were like, yo, you are, you're cool. You're kind of crazy. Let's work together. And, uh, that night, like one of the nights I, I also met this filmmaker, Joel McCarthy, who I've worked with a lot. Um, he does a lot of like communicating and like, um, episodic stuff up in Vancouver. And, um, he, uh, and her had this little like Airbnb kind of situation and we're all having beers and Gigi starts telling me about this, um, it was like at the time it was like a werewolf stripper thing. Um, and I was like, what? I was just like, this is a crazy idea. I want to talk about this again when I'm home. And we actually kept up and that turned into uh, uh, Dia de los Muertos, um, which I think is on Netflix is like part of the uh, uh, Babario. I can't, I'm probably saying that horribly, but um, it's a collection of like shorts. Um, and we did that and it, you know, she took it around and, um, really, really worked that while we did a bunch of other Luchador stuff. Like, uh, um, I don't like how, how familiar with her work are you or like what stuff of hers or like ours have you seen? Like, I, I know it, like I've seen her, her shorts and stuff, but like they've been off and on like over the years. So like, I, I can't really, like, right. I know I've seen a bunch of them. Like I know I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen Dia de los Muertos and El Gigante. Um, yeah, yeah. But, um, like I like it's just like one of those things where like when festivals like come around and I get like screeners and stuff like that, the like the number mm-hmm. like I always try to dig really hard into watching like a bunch of shorts. But the problem is is uh for up until I started using Letterbox like two or three years ago, I did a terrible job of keeping track of what I'd seen. So like I'm always mm-hmm. like watching now I'm frequently watching things and going like, oh, 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 I've seen that. That was like three years ago. Right. You're like, oh, I saw that at this. Oh, that was that thing. I had to, you know, I had to do a version of that with this like no way band that I found and like put on a CD. I had to like find that CD at my, my like parents' house, um, which I hadn't lived since I was 18. And I had to like Shazam it because I couldn't remember the name of the band. Um, so luckily I had that, but, uh, yeah, the it, it's really interesting with the um, with her stuff. You know, she was the first person that I had ever worked with that like didn't just put it up online and very, very, very intentionally 
toured it around to like different festivals and like represented it in a really exclusive way. Cause like you could, I mean, that's the interesting thing. And kind of why I asked what you think is like, you can only see a lot of it in the festival circuit until it like comes out years later. Like Gigante, I think, um, you know what? I think it's, it just hit like shutter or something. And, and it hasn't, you know, it, but we made that in like 2014. <laughs> No, people know about it somehow. And like, you know, it's, it's very interesting. No, it's really crazy. Like, um, that has actually been like one of the things I've, I'm not going to say enjoyed, but benefited from this year in terms of so many festivals being online is that like, Mm -hmm. I can, I can just basically sit there with what is essentially like a spreadsheet of Vimeo links and passwords and just go nuts for like an afternoon of just being like, well, I'm going to watch all the animated shorts or I'm going to watch all the LGBTQ shorts or I'm going to watch all of the, you know, like, uh, I'm going to watch all of the, the ones from like all the, like Scandinavian countries, you know, just get to like, give yourself like this crazy, like short, like primer, uh, of like, a snapshot of like what's going on with like all of these people that you're just like, Oh, and then you get like later on, you know, a couple of years down the line when they make their first feature, you're just like, Oh, I saw like the, the roots of this in this, you know, like elements of that in this like five minute thing that I watched, mm-hmm. you know, five years ago, like, you know, like with uh, Jill six and the stylist or like, I hope right. that, like Izzy Lee at some point will, will get to do a feature like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I, I, I feel like, um, like I, I'm really lucky to know all these women because they all play this long game that I just think some other people don't do. And like, or like, you know, like they, they seem to like have kind of like, a plan to like build up something and then make it bigger when they can really for, you know, see through their vision. Um, it's, it's, it was really awesome. You know, uh, we, you know, actually, this is the funniest thing. Culture shock being like Gigi's like feature debut. Technically, um, uh, it's, we, uh, had not finished a movie or been in the same room working on something ever. <laughs> so like until I got to LA to do the mix, um, I like we had never like finished something and the most Kansas Midwest thing happened to me. I'm supposed to fly out and like deliver, I'm delivering the hard drive with all of my music to be put into the movie. And it's like, my job is done for the most part. Um, and it's at the point where kind of, you know, one of the bigger like studio jobs that I've had and, um, that F five tornado. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that hit the day before I was supposed to, actually my flight, like a flight got delayed. And so I had to move it to like to later. And then that tornado hit that day and canceled everything. So like I had to arrive a day late to this mix and like Gigi and I'm like, I'm like, you know, so stressed out. Cause like, I'm like, I'm serious. A huge tornado literally just shut down our airport. And they're all just like, really? Like that is like the most Midwest Kansas thing that can happen to me. And like trying to like, you know, make a good impression. Um, but once, you know, once that like wore off and I was there, um, that morning was great. Cause like, uh, you know, it was kind of nice because like we'd worked so remote that like now we can still do that, but we also know that we can work together in person, which is rad. Um, you know, cause I think remote is going to probably be a thing for a lot more people, you know, more so than it used to be. Um, continually, at least I think continuing on because you know they're starting to make new stuff. They're trying to figure out ways to do it, but you know. yeah, I'm, I, I was super bummed that like Into the Dark just like br- hit the brakes earlier this year because I was just <laughs> like, oh man, like like I I know I've talked to like a ton of people who are like, oh yeah, like we managed to like we wrapped like literally like twelve hours before they shut everything down and stuff like that, and so it's just. Like, it just, it seems like there was uh, something I was listening to where they were talking about how, like, streaming has, like, really, like, it took, like, a like a dive, like, over, like, recently, like, in terms of stuff. And I'm like, well, there's not, like, a lot of new stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, well, like, it's, it's, we're hitting that bottleneck, you know? Um, 
it's the bottleneck of like content that could make could have been made you know up to that point like because like march 13th mm-hmm. at least for i know for us but i don't know elsewhere i don't remember when production shut down but um yeah it's i mean these pod productions are really interesting and i you know I'm, i think i think they work i mean it's still like you know it's just that thing of like it, you know everyone's consenting and like you know commits to a, a you know to basically quarantine before they enter these sets and then no one leaves those set areas basically it's like but i you know i think um it's such a strange i'm so thankful weirdly and kind of you know and i'm very thankful to be on the back end (laughs) because like i can at least still do the thing that i like to do like you know even though it's hard sometimes to make music for yourself or like make your own stuff you know during you know like when we're in you know distressed during a pandemic um it's i can still do it um which is nice and i am like very thankful for but like i know a lot of filmmakers i i just like man you all you just need so many people to do this the way you want to and the way you you know how to like to express your art so it's like you know i just feel i feel for them oh yeah no i was uh I, I was talking about like uh, uh, talking about like all of this earlier, like on a couple earlier episodes um, with like Jackson mm-hmm. Greenberg and Sam Ewing, and they were both just talking about like the the like the the fact that they were very thankful that they had like some things that had been able to get done, um, and then like then there's all this stuff they've had to wait on because Sam Ewing. Uh, does a lot of work with Bear McCreary. So like mm-hmm. the he was very happy when we were talking that like the walking dead was getting ready to start going again because you know, like right. that's, that's been, you know, they were in the middle of working on stuff six, seven months ago. Didn't they have to delay for the finale episode? I think so. Uh, like I like, know I think it got, got right before. Yeah, well, like, I know for a fact, like, uh, Riverdale on the CW, like, that show, like, technically, the, the season finale is actually two episodes early, and the first two episodes of this coming season are actually the last two episodes of last season that they had to go back and shoot. I see. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So, it, yeah, I, you know, it's, Uh, no 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 it's it's totally crazy um i'm kind of curious like um like in terms of uh, like i i think i feel like i i ask this because i do talk to you know just because of my own personal interest like i'm big into horror and genre work like um but so i feel like i ask this question a lot and i'm always intrigued by the the answers i get um like are like i know you 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 like horror i mean uh and, and genre cinema like judging by mm-hmm. like the 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 stuff you've done you know your donnie darko live performance and stuff like that but like um did you like do you are you a genre are you a horror fan or is it something you fell into just because of the people you were working with when you started i think it's kind of a mixture of, of both um you know i I always liked, you know, um, I mean, I think from like a, you know, film music thing, it's like most kids, I think it was like Star Wars, you know, or something like that, that really like, oh, it was Star Wars and like, it was Danny Elfman. That was the thing. Star Wars and Danny Elfman, anything like, you know, like Nightmare Before Christmas was just like a favorite movie as a kid. Um, And then, you know, obviously that has a really beautiful score and it is like, you know, it's a bunch of different genre too. So it's like, and, and like it was the holiday switch and yeah, it's spooky, but it's like also like really festive too. And I noticed a lot of like, Oh, that really works because of that music. And obviously it's a musical, but the score was like more involved than most, like, you know, uh, even animated musicals, like Disney musicals, like those were cool, but they didn't like do anything for my, you know, I wasn't like excited by them. Um, but, um, I don't know. I think, you know, I had an older brother who would uh, show me a lot of horror and stuff like that, that I was probably very underage for um, <laughs> and, and developed some, uh, some very real fears of uh, uh, Chucky. Um, the Tales from the Crypt. I remember like the heat, like the, the Crypt Keeper, like just scared the shit out of me. Too. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, so like, I was affected by it, but I still liked it. 
but I didn't, um, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't get like cut on some of the, uh, uh, like I didn't cut my teeth on like Freddie or Jason or any of the, like the classic, like that kind of stuff. Um, and it wasn't until maybe like five years ago that I really, probably even less than that, honestly, like maybe three years ago that I finally saw like every single nightmare before Christmas, like, or sorry, nightmare on Elm Street. Um, because, you know, I just, um, I don't know why, like I, it wasn't, that kind of stuff wasn't around. It was always like the really dark, like heavy shit, like, like seven, like gnarly stuff. It was like thrillers and less like horror. Um, but I, I really grew to love it. And I, you know, I think going to the festivals really, uh, made a huge impression of, you know, on me and like what I got to saw and like, or see, uh, I just, there's, there's such a breadth of it. Like it's, it's, it's such a vast genre, you know, like it's such a, a vast thing. It's like, it can be sci-fi, it can be horror, it can be, you know, comedy halfway through, it can be all of it like mashed together and this weird pastiche that I love. Um, so I think it was always, the road was always going down that way, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't always my thing. I was, I was much more of a normie early on. Like as a kid, I wanted to be a normie, you know? No, I don't know what it is. Like I, like I was like, I liked some horror movies, obviously growing up and I had seen like most of like the, the, you know, I'd seen the shining and I'd seen nightmare on Elm mm-hmm. street and I'd seen Friday the 13th and Halloween and stuff like that. But I hadn't like really, like I wasn't like a horror person. And then mm-hmm. for whatever reason in my mid twenties, I just, I, that's like, I started watching horror movies. Like when I would, like it was something to throw on in the background while I was writing papers when I went back to school and uh, somehow graduated college and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm not like working a full-time job going to school and running like a college radio station all simultaneously. What am I going to do at this time? I'm like, well, there's all uh-huh. these movies people have been telling me about. So, and now it's turned into like a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I, I envy not having the, uh, the video store anymore a lot just because of like, I wish, you know, it's, it's so hard sometimes to like look at all the, like I get overwhelmed by the amount of horror and like genre stuff that I want to watch that I haven't watched. And I just wind up being like, I'm just going to watch community instead. <laughs> but, um, which I've seen like a thousand times. It's, you know, just moving on from one long form sitcom to another basically. But yeah, no, uh, no, it, uh, it, it it's so funny that you mentioned tales from the crypt because like earlier today I was, uh, interviewing this actor, Timothy stack, who is in an episode mm-hmm. Uh, of Tales from the Crypt and I was looking it up to like find out when it was. I was like, oh, that came out in 1990. I was like, I watched like we had HBO when I was a kid. Like I watched Tales from the Crypt and I was like, even if I saw that like later on in the run, like that meant like we got rid of HBO like by the like 92, 93, which means I was at the very oldest, like 12 years old. Right. Okay. (laughs) And it's you just and I realize all the inappropriate things you see growing up. Oh, yeah, well, I was, I was going to say, I, when I heard the term latchkey kid, I was like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Now I, that's exactly what I was. And we like, my mom actually eventually was like, just like a customer service rep at time Warner. And so like, you got like the cable and stuff like that. So we just had every weird channel we could think of. Um, and so I saw like, I think that's where I started to see a lot of like, weirder, more obscure horror and like genre filmmaking that I really liked. Like on stuff like, um, like IFC mm-hmm. or the names channel, you know, just like stuff that had like weirder programming from time to time. Um, you know, I, I will actually, I would say the most affected thing that I remember as a kid, like growing up with horror genres, actually, um, um, you know, some of the video games from that time. Oh yeah. It was really, you know, re- like resident evil, like, I think specifically Resident Evil 2, just like, ugh. you know, to this day, I remember like being in my, you know, sitting at the TV, like playing that, just like scared out of my mind. Resident <laughs> Evil, like Silent Hill, like those are games that are legitimately, like you can just like post pictures from it and it's just like, uh, oh, that makes me uncomfortable. Right. 
do you, do you think that it's cause like, I mean, I don't think that like score is as heavy in those, um, you know, I always wonder if it's more the atmosphere and like sound design. Cause I feel like it gets blended a lot more than like in film. Oh yeah. 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 Ab- ab- absolutely. Like, I feel like, um, like I've talked with so, I so rarely get to talk with people who, um, engage in, in both aspects and mm-hmm. like, um, I feel like the people who do, who kind of get the opportunity to do both or like came up doing both, like it, it, it becomes that much more, uh, in interesting. Like Alan Howarth was like grew up doing, like, I mean, he came up, like he was doing sound design when he started doing composition or um like uh christian uh anderson the the danish uh mm-hmm. who, who who's done a, a a lot of work with lars von trier like m- he has like as many credits for sound design as he does for for scores and like in something like yeah. antichrist like it's like it's one and the same like you can't really divorce them at all that's very true that's very true you know uh, that movie i remember i think I think that movie attracted me because of like the shock and intensity of it, but I wound up being really enthralled by it. Um, and uh, like to the point of like, I would try and like show friends and they were just like, what the, what did you just show me? <laughs> I was like, Oh, I realized it's just a really intense, weird movie. Um, but yeah, that music and sound design is so like, I mean, I, cause I don't think about like a score from that, but it is, it's just all, like you said, it's all one and the same. And that's, yeah no uh yeah no i got to when they when they put that out on vinyl like i got to i got to interview him and he is just like uh as as i've discovered with like every single person who does like really really creepy shit like is just like super you know like nice and thoughtful and all of that like i mean he's done like he did he did the house that jack built which is like bah. I don't even have words. Like that's literally my response. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, I think I'm sure a lot of that, you know, has to do with adaptation to, to an extent, you know, like I think, you know, cause like just from a, a working standpoint, like it opens you up to more job opportunities early on. And I like business, I think this, this strain that you see around, like I'd say successful, you know, people in general, but successful composers that they don't start out just doing just the thing you know they don't just do film scores because it's like like you got to work your way up and like you know so if you have like another set of skills you kind of like bounce back and forth and um eventually you can hopefully like put them into one thing and that's you know like people like that you know i think like you see that with like hans zimmer like you look at like you know because he has like you know his pop background really comes in he produced records Um, by the damned (laughs) right yeah dude the dude like was good at that too and he just you know he's just a better film composer and there's you know like i mean you know i even think about you know like because like i think about trends of like you know so like some of that thumping like kind of 80s arpeggiator like bass sound that's really popular in a lot of music right now and Mm -hmm. it's like it you know it kind of was being used in like film stuff from hans zimmer like you know on like the some of the dark knight stuff like that stuff is there. It's just like a mixture of like, you know, he was doing synths and cellos and stuff instead of like, you know, bass synth alone, but like a two, four kind of thing under it. And so it's, it's cool to see, you know, be able to look back at these people and like, see their, their path from like, Oh, well they did this thing. Pretty sure I get to the dam. Like, you know, um, uh, you know, wrote songs and the score for the Lion King and then can like do all this, you know, or like Danny Elfman, you know, I mean, oh, yeah. like I think, you know, just the fact that like he, he kind of stumbled into it, you know, from what I understand, I listened to his, uh, one of his interviews, cause I think he's, he doesn't really give a lot of like long form interviews or at least didn't, but he did one, um, on a score, the podcast, I think is what it was called. Um, and it was really fascinating just hearing like his whole thing of like how he just like joined a band of his brother that his brother eventually kind of handed over to him cause he didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and, that was only go Boingo and you know, and then so it turned into like a ska band. Technically I never think of them as a ska band, but that's what he referred to it as. Or they, you know, I guess it is ska kind yeah. of in a way. 
but it just it does, I just don't even register that because it just sounds like his weird pastiche of sounds to me because like you know because I didn't grow up with it and so like being able to look back it's like oh well, you can change and morph and like have these different identities within horror genre because like that's one of the, the nice things about like being into like like genre film as opposed to just like you know our comedies or like dramas and stuff like that like it's like really fun to like shape shift and you can you can move around and like do kind of whatever you want as long as like you're just kind of doing your thing well i mean it it, it seems to it seems to like work for you as well i i, I feel like uh, uh, we should also probably talk about the fact that in addition to being a composer like you do like you do like uh, pop music as well. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, like yeah, I, I guess to differentiate it from from film composition, like we'll we'll just we'll just call yeah. it uh, pop music. Um, That's what I call it. Uh, and you you do that under under the the aegis of Chase the Horseman, and you have put out uh, a lot of stuff. Um, your, your most recent full length was last year. Uh, well, not full length. It was an EP. Uh, your most recent, uh, release, uh, what like was disinformation blues last year. And then you put out that cover of midnight, the stars and you earlier this year. Um, yeah. Do you, do you find like, uh, the, the more like composition and stuff you do, do you find it like, uh, harder to to like find the time to to do this i guess stuff that's not quote-unquote work yeah like i mean like stuff that i'm like doing for myself basically um yeah it's interesting um i they're like they're like really two separate things for me i think that's even why just doing like the silly like chase the horseman as opposed to like chase horseman helps because it's just this like separation of church and state kind of thing (laughs) Um, where like, I mean, like, you know, the way that I compose like commercial work is really like a totally different way than I compose for like songwriting. And, um, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with just like, I, the first thing that I did musically was like, just, I was a singer, you know, and, um, it's, I think if I didn't sing, I don't know if I would write in the same way. Cause I just wind up like humming songs or like, they just, you know, just like I've done since I was a kid, I just come up with tunes or like, I'm one of those people that can like hear something. And then like, I make up dumb parodies in my head. Like if it just vaguely rhymes with something, I do that. I know exactly <laughs> you know? what you talk about and I do it all the time uh-huh. myself. Yeah. So I have to like, you know, check myself sometimes on that. But, um, uh, yeah, I just, I've, you know, I, I've, I've always loved writing songs. I've written a lot of really, really terrible songs. Um, but I think that happened because, I mean, like, I did do the songwriting stuff before the film stuff. So I think, weirdly, like, the film stuff, I just think I got lucky in a lot of ways just in getting to meet and work with the right people. Um, and, you know, and I was good enough at the time to, you know, to, to make an impression. But it's like, the songwriting thing, I, I kind of knew, like, it's, it's such a pipe dream. Um, and I didn't see how it could happen. Whereas I saw, I started seeing like ways that I could make film music happen, but I couldn't like not do the songwriting thing. And it was actually the most freeing part of it that it was like, it didn't have to be my job. Um, you know, obviously like I want to, you know, make money off of it and make sure that I'm like making a living uh, when I can, but it's such, it's so much more of just like a me thing like that, but I, you know, putting it out is such a big part of that. Um, I just really love doing it. And I, and I, I think that when I'm working, sometimes I've like, I've actually written songs in the middle of scoring <laughs> and it's actually like, I feel bad because I'm just, it's like my, my, my brain's whirling. And like, then it just like spit something else out of like, Well, okay, I got to work on this, but I'm getting paid to work on something else. So I got to do this really fast. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I'm like compelled to do it and to do both too because i you know not really being you know there's not a lot of work right now and so things are pretty slow and you know take what you can get and do the shorts and podcasts and stuff but it's not the same as like you know doing features and 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 just shorts and um things that are it's just not as rapid and so like you know doing um i love having like a like a call response or like a um a prompt to work Mm -hmm. on 
Um, and so that's why I love film, you know, because like I can just literally sit down and like my prompt is on the screen. It's right in front of me. Um, and it tells me kind of like, it's like, here's your lane and then make something happen. And that's like a fun parameter to like work in. Whereas like songwriting, I think the thing that gets away from people is that it's like, it can be anything. You have to like set those kind of roadblocks <laughs> or those like limitations because like it literally couldn't be anything. You know, you sit down to write, you're like, what kind of song am I going to write today? And you're not going to write anything because like, you're not even thinking about, like you don't have anything there. So like, just like pondering it may not, you know, may not make anything happen. But, you know, if you read something in the paper or you're like on the news or like in a text or in a moment that you had, like that's your prompt. But sometimes it has to like stick with you. And then it's like, oh, it's like a long-term prompt. I got to get this out. So it's much more cathartic for me as opposed to like, like fun. Fun is like a, I like, I like writing them, but they're not as like fun as like writing film scores where it's like, you're like sparring with something like you're like, I'm going to help make this thing, you know, what I want to make it. And like, you're like, but you have to work against that screen and that sound design and those limitations of dialogue and stuff. And it's just like keeping them two different things in mentally and just like making sure that I had taken on projects like that and still made space for myself has made me a much happier writer, <laughs> I think. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's stressful to like maintain two identities kind of, but, um, you know, eventually like I, this is like, I kind of started really like getting to the point where they're like, they can kind of exist together. And, um, that was kind of like, you, you mentioned that cover of minute, the stars and you, and, you know, I was like, well, I really love this song and I just, I love this movie. So like, and it was during lockdown. So I was like, I'm just going to do that. I'm going to cover that song like a weird space age synth version and do that. That's going to be, and I just obsessed over it. I mean, I like, it was the funniest thing, like doing a project like that about, you know, like during lockdown and like just kind of also like losing my mind and like just working on that thing um, and just being, you know, just cooped up and locked inside. And like, it was, uh, it was cathartic, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, but fun, but cathartic too. Um, well, but yeah, I, huh? Oh no, no. I just think it's great that you figured out, like you, you, like your two, like musical worlds found a way to collide. Right. Yeah. It, well, and you know, I think um, it's one of those things where, like, I well, actually, you know, so we, I think we talked about um, uh, um, Uncanny Annie. I had done that that one for Bloomhouse as well, and they gave me the opportunity to, like, they had some like background music that was just kind of like it. It didn't sound like real bands. It didn't to me sound like music that the the characters would listen to. And I was like, hey, like, you know. I know a bunch of bands back in Kansas city and we could easily, like I could easily get you a whole soundtrack and from, you know, these people and, um, they went for it. And so I was able to like, you know, like get, you know, it was like dream girl, mama's boy, Rachel Mallon. They wanted like some of the chase the horseman stuff. Um, and, uh, full bloods. Yeah. I think, and I think, yeah. And like, and so getting them like being, being able to like bridge that gap, like and like do that is so much fun for me um because like i i love making mixtapes still to this day and like playlists and i'm like i like go and listen to the end of the song to see how it transitions into the next song you know like obsessively <laughs> and um and so it's like fun being able to like almost now like sometimes get the opportunity to make mixtapes along with the movie that i also get to score it's like a, that's like my dream job <laughs> I, I think you know like write a song for it. Like I always love like Todd Haynes. Like I, I'm like a huge Todd Haynes fan. Um, and I love the way, you know, that song and soundtrack and score are kind of all the same. Um, you know, stuff like Velvet Goldmine or like I'm not there. Yeah. Um, I just love that kind of like, cause like, you know, I mean the, the, the song soundtrack thing instead of scores, like I feel it kind of got played out. Um, to a point where like score, I feel like score didn't matter as much. Like when I was growing up, you know, in the early aughts, um, you know, just in terms of like the pop lexicon, um, eventually that changed. But, um, you know, the, like, cause I feel like I grew up with just every movie just had, you know, uh, 
some like simple plan song or something like that. And then yeah. like, you know, and it was just that the whole thing. And it was just like, you know, I, I, I always remember, I mean, I liked those movies and I, you know, and I like was fine with some of the songs. Um, but you know, the score thing was, I was always thought was really lacking and, um, but you know, rock and roll's fun. And I, you know, I, I do, I, my, one of my favorite movies ever that does that thing so well, I think is that thing you do. Yeah. Like the score and like the songs, like it's all believable. And like, you know, um, I love that in a, in such a way that it's like being able to do it at all, like ever in any way is such like a weird, I never thought I would get to. Well, I mean, if you, if you look at the history of, of like the five years I've been doing this podcast, like the number of folks we've talked to who have done like, we've talked to you about like a song, like soundtrack stuff, as opposed to like composer stuff that has been mm-hmm. post, let's say 2000. Uh, I was going to say 2010, but like really post like, like, th- like that literally in this millennia, like it is, it is in the minority. Like, I mean, like, mm-hmm. like it's usually like, like eighties, nineties, like a few folks from the seventies, but like, I mean, for the most part, it is just like post 2000, like stuff, like soundtracks, like weren't quite like, they started to become more of the, uh, like the, the pulp fiction, like old school, like needle drop, big chill kind of things where they're more like just mixtapes as opposed to like compilations of like, music that was made specifically for that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. Cause you think of like, uh, I mean, hell even, um, the crow, like, you know, original soundtrack or like yep. you know, that kind of stuff. They would just like have tie-ins of like bands doing covers and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I think, I mean, really honestly, like, I mean, I, I, I think I'm so, like subconsciously, I've like made this a purpose of doing the, the, the Donnie Darko thing. Cause I want to record all those songs. Cause like, you know, that, that was like the best version of that, that I had seen of like, even though it was like, it wasn't recorded for it. Um, it was just like tied in so well. Um, but then having that last moment where there is all of a sudden a cover of a song, you know, if it's like from that whole era, like it, it was this weird, like, Oh, okay. You just saved it for that moment and made that really, really special. And that's like, everybody remembers that moment, you know, in that movie. And, um, there's so many clever ways to do it. And that, um, I think, you know, it, it just takes a lot of it takes the director wanting to do it, obviously, you know, the production companies and, you know, I don't, I, you know, I think people are more apt to do covers because like, you know, there's, there's this trend right now. that's like, you, you know, um, I'm going to like give you a snap so you can resync that. Okay. 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 Um, so, uh, what I was saying was, um, there's this trend right now, I think with, uh, like especially trailers, you know, but like where they're like taking the song that they want featured in it and they like do a spooky cover of it. And then it gets really big with big drums and like, you know, Uh it's like, it's like a version of that that's happening, but it's like, okay, we got to be careful with how we do this because if we do it too much, then we can't do it at all. (laughs) You know? Um, and so I think sometimes they just doing it the one time and doing it and not making it like a big moment or like a big, you know, theme. Like I was, I, I was asked, there was a movie that was going to happen. Um, that, that is no longer happening just due to COVID. Um, that was going to, it had it in the script. Like the, the writer wanted that to happen. So like basically it was really interesting cause I'd never like even just been verbally attached to a project where, uh, the, the writer had kind of dictated something that's going to happen in the score which is really interesting because they basically set up this whole thing and it was like written around and it was like bad moon rising. Oh, you know? So I was like, I was like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to have to like do a dark cover of bad moon rising. Okay. You know, I mean, I was like, it's just kind of daunting, but also like, ah, man, I got to make this not, I got to make it kind of, I got to make it its own thing. They did it in uh, us, you know? Yeah. So well, I mean, like it was so good. Oh God. Like, you know, that the 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 remix of I Got Five on it that uses the score as part of it is like I have al- like I have that LP and I have almost worn it like worn out that oh, really? groove. It's so 
good. That's so awesome. Yeah, it's so good. It is so good. I like, and you know, that's the thing is like, I, I always think of like, um, horror and comedy, like they're like, especially like just joke writing or telling as like the same thing. It's all about, you know, distraction and then, you know, set up and then surprise. And, um, you know, you can't tell the same joke over and over again, you know, and like if everybody's saying the same joke, then it becomes a meme and that, you know, that dies real fast almost in a way. And, uh, and so it's, it's always tricky because I, I love doing that stuff because I love pop music, you know, and I like, you know, blending those two worlds, but it's like a, you know, you don't want to feed into the, the, the thing that might make it, you know, not as fun to do like five years from now, if you like want to use that device, um, which is, you know, I think is so fun about like film music and just me- like writing for media is that it, everything moves, you know, like you've got to kind of keep up and like make your own voice, you know, loud and clear, but also like you're still working within the confines of something, which is a trend, as you can tell. I like, <laughs> I like some boundaries, you know, when it comes to film. Um, so it's, um, which is, you know, I'd like to speak to kind of a flip side of that. I've been working on like a podcast. And not, there's no visual medium and it's kind of like, it's tough. Like, cause I'm like having to just make like a library out of nowhere. And, uh, it's just not really like how I write, but um, <laughs> still, you know, it's a, it's a fun challenge, but you know. Um, so yeah, what, what are you, what are you working on now? Well, yeah. So this is, um, it's, uh, it's a podcast with, uh, Violet Hour Media, which is like, you know, I did a, I did a kid's movie right at the beginning of, of lockdown, um, uh, which was uh, very surreal. Um, it's a movie called Dolphin Island and, um, <laughs> everything had shut down now, you know, all the productions and all the work was just gone. And like, this is a movie that like made it under the radar and I got to do like a weird, like Disney score. And it was like, so surreal, you know, as like the pandemic is like, you know, just taking hold or like, you know, taking hold and, you know, everyone's locked in. I hadn't seen anybody in months. And like, all of a sudden I'm working on this like kid movie <laughs> and like trying to write all this really happy music. Um, you know, I think I, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to, I'm actually writing a record right now because there is, you know, because there's less work in the, in the film industry, it's a lot, I guess I have a lot more time to just sit and like try and write songs or not even really try, but they're just like happening. Cause I'm just like, existence is so different, you know, than it was before this, that like, you know, the way that I was in my head then is not the way that I'm in my head now, but I'm definitely still in my head. <laughs> So, um, you know, I just, I, I'm writing a record and, you know, as like the work comes in, you know, uh, I definitely, I, I do what I can, but there's, you know, um, they're not really making movies anymore, but they are making ads, <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, in podcasts, you know, podcasts are like the most reform, like more creative, you know, that you can have. And so like this one, I, I don't, I don't know if it's been announced. So, um, but it's, uh, Anthony Laddish, um, here in town got oh, yeah. it and it's um it's uh it's really fun because it kind of takes place in a place like lansing in, in, interestingly enough uh where you know i both grew up or you lived for a little bit and i grew up um it's it, it's all about like trauma and um and going back home to a place that's been like ravaged by something really really gnarly um and then there's like this drug element. So there's a lot of like tripping and like darkness and it's, it's, it's really fun. Um, but you know, not having this, like, I don't have like scene links, you know, cause like they're piecing everything together and it's all, you know, just voices and sound effects. And so it's like, and you know, just getting it timed out they're doing right now and they've got drafts and stuff like that. But I've just been writing music and like themes, which is not usually like, I usually develop a film score as it's like, as like a whole piece. Um, for better or worse sometimes, you know, sometimes I get a little in over my head. Um, but I like to just let it like develop. And, um, as opposed to like, we're going to do this theme here. We're going to do this theme here and this theme here. Um, this is very much like, well, I'm just writing themes and they're going to like kind of remix it in, you know, and it's a, it's just a different, it's a different ball game. Um, but it's fun because I, you know, I kind of, when I really get into a groove, I don't have to worry about, Oh, I got to end here at a minute 30. <laughs> that's how long the scene is. You know, I can just like keep going and then like, Oh, they can edit it down. <laughs> they can use as little or as much as they want. Right. Right. And so it's, you know, it's, it's fun to have that freedom 
but again, like, you know, it's like, I think as somebody who cut my teeth with like really leaning into the restriction, it can be, you know, its own problem. But, um, but yeah, I like, I definitely, um, you know, try to stay busy. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm, I'm glad you were able to make time to talk with me uh, about all of this stuff. Yeah, this absolutely. has been like a really nice way to spend an afternoon. So <laughs> thanks. Thank you. Thanks to Chase Horseman for talking with me. They are on Instagram and Facebook at Chase the Horseman, and you can find their pop output at chasethehorseman.bandcamp.com and their scoring work at chasehorseman.bandcamp.com. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at fromaninspiredpod and can be found on Instagram at fromaninspiredby. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Click those follow and subscribe buttons, please. Also, please hit up the website and click on the Aid and Assistance button to help us pay for web hosting and long-distance fees. And remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. We'll be back in two weeks talking with Martin McPhail of electronic trio Blitz Berlin about their score for the recent sci-fi horror comedy Psycho Gorman. Until then, thanks for listening. (laughs) 